Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali, uh, and I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? Hey, everybody. Uh, so today, we're back at it. We're doing another episode, installment of the Indie Horror Rodeo. Yes. We, we made you, we kept you waiting, huh? <laughs> but here we are, Volume Three. Yeah, we get some fine Shetland ponies this week. <laughs> <laughs> so initially, we were like, I don't know, these games don't seem to have anything in common. But then once I played them, I actually think they have a lot in common. Really? Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about Paratopic, which we were calling Paratropic. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch that. There's only one R. Yeah. Well, me neither, but it could be because I'm constantly thinking of the landmark 90s heavy album uh, Fantastic Planet by Failure, which has a great song called Heliotropic on it. Mm. Um, So I was maybe just thinking of that, as I always am, literally every day. Uh, (laughs) But it's called Paratopic. (laughs) Is Is it Paratopic or Paratopic? See... There, in an article written by the dev, he refers to the game world as Paratopia. So I think it is Paratopic. But my initial plan was just to try and say it both ways and see which sounds right. I don't like topic. Okay. It sounds too, like, conversational. Parahotopic. Like, it's not a spooky conversation. Yeah. I don't know what what it is. I have a lot of questions about this game. (laughs) Yeah, many questions. But okay, so Paratopic and Claire. Yeah. And the thing I realized is that both games are strange, abstract games that tell confusing, nonlinear stories. Mm. Neither of them has combat, and both of them use an aesthetic cold from the past. Okay. So things they actually kind of have a lot in common, despite not playing similarly at all, you know. (laughs) Um, But before we get too deep into all that good stuff, as always, this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to help support the show. You get Mm -hmm. an extra episode every week of the sideshow. Zero brightness Side plus. Shows, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh yeah, it's a mess and it's our mess. Bless this mess. Uh <laughs> <laughs> like the little sign on your grandma's wall. Yeah, exactly. Is this a script also? Am I supposed to be reading off of this? No. Okay. Well, the James, James is typing and I'm looking at the Google Doc and I feel like I need to read it. No, 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 I'm just thinking about my my goals in life, you know. Yeah. Why don't you tell them your goals, James? Well, my main goal is to blow up and act like I don't know nobody. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you so much to everyone who's signed up recently. We are, our Patreon is growing and we're just that much closer to blowing up and being able to act like we don't know nobody. <laughs> in the immortal yes. words, the immortal words of my guy. James Franco? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, uh, Riff Raff, of course. Um, mm-hmm. We all we all love Riff Raff, right? If you haven't seen his freestyle about pancakes that goes on for twelve minutes and is not really a freestyle because he's not actually rapping, he's just talking. Um, you got to do yourself a favor. Maybe I'll link that in the description. It's a it's a ride, dude. First great poet of the twenty first century. Oh yeah, first great poet laureate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and also, as always, uh, this is a game club. You can play the games along with us. We tell you what we're going to play at the end of every episode. The spooky music stops. The Yoshi's Island music starts. <laughs> and that's when you're about to hear what's up. We have been a little behind. So last episode, we only had one game, but we got a whole bunch of them this week. So strap yes. in, you know, jump in the discord. Come to the discord. Let us know if you're playing along with us. Yeah. Um, we'll be in there real active uh, until we blow up and don't act like we don't know nobody. Yeah, then you guys will just have to talk to each other. The real survival horror. <laughs> Classic. Classic bit. Let's talk about Paratopic. Okay. Uh, this game is super cool to me. I don't 100% understand what the fuck is going on, but I think that's kind of the charm of it. Um, it's made by three people, Jessica Harvey, Chris Brown, and Doc Buford. Um, it's a short little chicken nugget of a game. Mm-hmm. You can probably beat it in around 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. There's no saving, nothing like that. It tells you when you launch the game that it's not going to save, and if you quit, you have to start over. Mm-hmm. And it's a... It's kind of like a broken narrative vignette of scenes. Yeah. Uh, which is really mysterious and cool. And I didn't really start understanding it until the second playthrough. Very cool stuff. Yeah. it's It purposefully presents things to you in a very strange order. So you don't even really get the context of what's going on until maybe halfway through. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, playing it twice is definitely a must if you want to try and get a handle on what's going on in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, but yeah, it is super cool. So, I mean, gameplay-wise, it is essentially a walking sim. Like, you just walk around and look at things for the most part. Uh, <laughs> there's not a lot else uh, to do but what's really cool about it is the way it's presented so first and foremost I think the thing that caught a lot of people's eye initially was that it has this crazy flip on the PS1 aesthetic mm-hmm. like low poly models with low resolution textures on them everything's really kind of gritty looking and fucked up looking it's got this mm-hmm. green sort of sickly color palette and uh, the other thing too is that there's a lot of really crazy direction. So you do like yeah. talk to other characters and there's even like dialogue choice and stuff, but those conversations get really wild. Like the camera's swinging everywhere and doing really crazy <laughs> shit. Like it's just got this manic seasick feel to it. That's very, very, very cool. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of the scanner darkly rotoscoped film mm. adaptation that came out in like the two thousands. Mm-hmm. Like some of the really wild direction uh, in that movie. Very cool. I like that movie a lot. 
Really? Yeah, I uh, love that movie. I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> no, I know. That's another I, story. No, I know I'm in the minority <laughs> with my... Uh, I'm, like, obsessed with that movie, and I know, like, no really? one else is. I was upset. I'm, I'm a huge Philip K. Dick fan, and I had read the book multiple times before seeing it. Yeah, same. And uh, I felt so indifferent and, like, a little bit crushed after watching it on my way home. Anyways... We can talk about that for uh, maybe a bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. But anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, I could totally see what you're saying with that, though. Um, one thing that really helps the kind of like... Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said seasick. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just like a couple steps away from reality because... Um, well, one thing that helps with that is the uh, the dialogue is all kind of like weird mumbled together syllables, so they're like almost normal, but yeah, the dialogue just super weird. It sounds like like uh, I don't know, like banjo kazooie or something. It's like you know? uh, grim dark simlish. What you is know, that? you know how the sim the Sims have a language called sim oh, simlish. Yeah, it's like the mm. grim dark version of that. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like weird, chopped up, partially reversed human speech. It's really creepy and weird. And the game is like full of it because like there's these long driving sequences where you can listen to the radio, and it's mostly <laughs> just people talking in it without subtitles. It's super weird. Yeah, yeah. Just to analyze this game a little bit. You end up playing two or three characters, if I'm right. Yeah. And there seems to be this mystery around uh, a bunch of VHS tapes in a case. Mm -hmm. And when people watch it, when people watch the tapes, bad shit happens. Um, we know that there's a like power plant in the woods where an accident happened and it shut down and kind of ruined the local economy. So there's kind of like an American Rust Belt kind of depression look to the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's super cool. The only information the game really gives you before you start playing, the description is just that it's like smuggle some VHS tapes across the border. Yeah. Uh, and then once you start playing it, yeah, you realize that there's all these different plot threads happening um but they're presented in a really weird way like one of the characters i think it's maybe the first one you see or one of the first ones you see is like an assassin yeah who is sent to recover something you assume it's one of these tapes uh but and uh her story is probably the strangest and the like most action-packed but the other story is the smuggler uh, the person who's actually mm -hmm. trying to smuggle these tapes. Uh, and their story is really interesting because, first of all, you see where they live and it's like a shitty room in like a shitty tenement. <laughs> and like like the yeah. neighbor is like trying to get free tapes out of them like they're drugs and like yeah. they're a drug dealer. It's very yeah. weird and strange. Uh, Did you give them a tape? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. You can give them a tape. Yeah. Well, hey, massive spoiler warning. This is your spoiler warning okay. for the rest of the episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you give her a tape, you can watch her through, like, a crack in the door, uh, watch that tape, 
and like her face explodes into like a Lovecraftian monster with her face in the middle. Whoa. And then she f- drops dead. Crazy. You know? Well, so there's a third character too. There's the bird watcher. Right. Um, and it's a person that's like, you're, you're driving their El Camino into the forest and uh, the bird watcher uh, just parks on the side of the highway and walks into the woods mm-hmm. and you have a camera and you can take pictures and stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, what's interesting though too is like not just the way that these stories all connect and line up, but the way in which they're presented. Cause like the smuggler I'm assuming is the one who's having the conversation with the convenience store guy. Right. Well, there's two conversations with the convenience store guy. So I think one's the smuggler and one's the another of the two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, like that part is really, really cool. So there's a part where you go into a convenience store and you can just like chat with the convenience. Well, you can go around and pick up all the random things there mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. for fun. Like you can stare at a shitty little bag of chips if you want to. Uh, yeah. You can also, there's lots of stuff like that in the game. It's very funny. Like you can squirt ketchup on a table and just do like random shit. Uh, Put a cigarette out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just weird stuff. But like. Uh, when you talk to the convenience store guy, it's like these weird branching circular conversations that are literally mm-hmm. about nothing. Uh, Talking about UFOs or yeah. like the the store that sells milk and milk accessories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's very funny and charming and weird. And it's even weirder because the whole game is so fucking off-putting. Like the visuals and right. the talking sounds and all this stuff. It's just like ah but then like the actual conversations are really funny you said something important earlier you said you go to the convenience store but that's not really true you just like the scene changes and you're at a convenience store yeah but but these scene changes are so abrupt that um the progression like doesn't make any sense at all just like all of a sudden you might be in a different scene it's like constant too and you might be a different character Right. And the chronology is all wrong. Right. So you really don't get this big picture of what the hell's going on. I I didn't until my second playthrough was over. Yeah. Just so I could put the dots together. I kind of got it as much as I was going to get it after playing it. Uh, Like, because at the end, I was like, oh, I get the ending. Mm, Okay. But the rest of it, who is where and what is confusing because some of it two it's almost like it there isn't necessarily a concrete explanation or or an easy answer but there's no real progression there's just a sequence of scenes yeah and you can do different things in them like i gave her the tape and ollie didn't right um but yeah essentially the the game is just like a series of little visual vignettes with no real progression some of them are very like stark and gorgeous there's one part where um I don't know, the scene changes and you're in pretty much pitch black on the side of the highway with your El Camino, but there's just like a spotlight on the El Camino and you like get the camera out, but it's just so gorgeous. You look around. I don't know if you've ever like stopped on the side of the highway in the middle of the night, but once your eyes get adjusted, it's like gorgeous. Everything's like blue and black. Yeah. It it just reminded me of like West Texas driving around West Texas, you know, it's really cool. 
Yeah, there's a lot of really cool visuals. You know, we've talked about a lot in the show, but direction. I mean, this game has mm-hmm. great direction, but right. I would say it's partially because it feels more like an interactive art piece than what we would traditionally mm-hmm. call a video game. Right. Like something that's interesting. So there is a like an editorial basically penned by one of the creators of the game Mm -hmm. uh, where they talk about, uh, you know, their goals for the game, what the inspirations were. And it's, it was kind of funny and interesting. I don't, I don't know if I totally agreed with a lot of the stuff in it. Like there's Mm -hmm. some real hot takes about video games, which is fine because this is a game (laughs) designer. Like obviously they're going to have stronger opinions about this than I would. But, I mean, the, the, the short version of it was essentially they were trying to, quote-unquote, fix walking simulators. Mm-hmm. They felt yeah. that the genre inherently had problems that they wanted to attempt to fix. And right. it's kind of funny because I actually think that everything they did to a walking simulator with this game made it, like, less of a game even right like (laughs) in many ways yeah yeah we play so many walking sims for this show that like we talk about how when they start adding in more gameplay elements that it's like oh cool this is a game where you just strip like all of that away yeah like a lot of it is just you watching scenes or almost like passively experiencing scenes on the one hand i think this game is brilliant and it's so short that it's obviously a recommendation like you should just experience this you know mm-hmm. it's like watching a weird david lynch short film or something like you got to do that you know maybe you don't want to commit to watching all five hours of inland empire but like <laughs> <laughs> it's also 40 uh it's three bucks 50 cents on itch so yeah. i mean i'm not gonna break the bank yeah if you're going to rent some shitty Marvel movie on Amazon, you might as well rent this and play it. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I think it's also important to talk about some of the stuff in this game that I think is kind of questionable. Uh, sure. Which is that at various points, they just make you do nothing for a really long time. Yes. Uh, and according to that developer that wrote the article, Doc Buford, this was done purposefully. Uh, to make you like stop and look around but there's one point where you're waiting for an elevator and it's so slow that it's almost comical and uh i alt tabbed out of the game to like do other shit in real time just because it's not very interesting the driving parts are the same you're basically just sitting there looking around the car for like what feels like five minutes while the radio is kind of rattling off. You can play with the radio, you can speed and slow up and slow down the car. But really it's like I, I ended up just like not steering the car and just like letting it hit the side rails because nothing's gonna happen anyways. Same. Yeah, so I was if you bump into the side rails, you're on like a highway that has dividers, uh like uh your car just centers again. Like, you don't even sit there and just keep bumping against it. So I was like, oh, okay. And I just put down the controller <laughs> and just let it, like, keep doing that. And then... Check your phone. Yeah. I just opened up my phone and was just, you know, <laughs> just researching, like, MIDI controllers and synths and stuff, which is what I'm yeah. what I'm all about right now. He fixed the walking sim, dude. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So like the, the funny thing about the elevator scene, I was actually kind of into it because Actually, I was really into it because I saw what they were doing and it's like close to the start of the game. So you're still intrigued, but you haven't really figured out what's going on. Yeah. Um, and it's not that long. It's not as long as it feels. The driving shit, however, I was super not into because it keeps going back to it. It happens like multiple times mm-hmm. throughout the game. It's not visually interesting. There's nothing to look at. Like... Some of them, there's only the talk radio, so it's just these really weird talking noises. Sometimes there's music, but then the music is really off-putting. Like, it's not good. You can switch the radio station. Yeah, but sometimes it's two stations of talking. Because you only have two choices, I think. Yeah, uh, I think so, yeah. And, like, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's funny, because it's not that I don't get it. I get it. Like... <laughs> We've talked about this on the show before. I've read the difficult books and I've watched the difficult movies, but Mm -hmm. it's just weird. It doesn't always work in any medium. And I don't really think it works for this game. Like, I also feel like the game could have been like closer to 30 minutes and worked probably a bit better. Like sometimes it's jumping scenes so quickly that it's kind of like, oh, maybe this should have been the pace of the whole game. Right, because they'll do that, yeah. but they'll just get stuck driving around. And it's like, what the well, fuck is this? So this isn't the first game that's used this sort of kind of like vignette, kind of like fast forward narrative. Sure. Um, there's another game I played called Thirty Flights of Loving, and while that's like a kind of like an action heist game, it's sort of the same thing where it's it's uh, hyper stylized, very fast, over in thirty minutes sort of experience. And that one has just, like, a super tight pace. Yeah, but there's only a couple scenes that really break up the pace in this game. Um, other than that, the I feel like the exploring stuff is really strong. Uh, the, the dialogue is super strong. Yeah. Um, and it, it just kind of lulls you in, you know? Yeah, I think the thing that I liked a lot about this was that it reminded me sort of of the cut-up and nonsense flow of Killer7. Uh, which is like one of my favorite games ever and the weird visual style like gave me a lot of killer seven vibes but some of that really slow abstract stuff was a bit much but when it's going man it's going and the conversation stuff was really cool Mm -hmm. i actually wish there was a little bit more of that because that was actually really fun and really interesting and just really well written and especially since i've been playing disco elysium i'm really enjoying things with (laughs) well-written conversations you know so do we want to talk more about the story of this game yeah we already threw out a spoiler warning i don't want (laughs) to i don't want to waste it you know i don't like to waste spoiler warnings (laughs) true true so yeah the game starts uh you're sitting in a diner uh looking at the window and like on the street, a bird is pecking a corpse's eyes out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Turns out you're waiting for your boss. Your boss shows up and, like, chews you out for doing something. He says you have a new job, blah, blah, blah. Um, the next scene is, like, you're loading a gun in the stall, in the booth, and nobody else is in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're, like, kicking the door to the manager's office open. Mm-hmm. And you point the gun at the guy's face. And then it says paratopic across the screen (laughs) yeah really cool opening um i guess that's the beginning of the uh assassins storyline it's kind of the end too 
kind of the end, yeah. Um, it jumps around all over. Um, right. So the hiker, I guess it starts as, like, driving out of town into the boonies. And you enter these woods, and you find a... They call it the castle, but it's, like, a really big uh, electrical plant, mm. like, way off in the distance. You find a shack, and then inside the basement, there's a, a bunch of machinery, and this, like, doctor pops on, or some scientist, and tells you about, like, some experiments they were doing, kind of clandestinely. It's, like, a pre-recorded message. Mm-hmm. Um, the hiker keeps exploring deeper into the woods and comes across the... Uh, the castle and like a monster promptly kills her but yeah um where where the hiker dies the the camera lays there and later on another character finds it yeah it's it's super cool like the way that it's kind of showing you different strands of the same story but out of order Mm-hmm. i believe the hiker may have talked to the gas station attendant too yeah because the <laughs> It's so hard to keep track of yeah. what's going on. I mean, is that when you're back, like, in the apartment? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, now you're the smuggler. You go back to your apartment. You wait for an elevator for a really long time. Uh, <laughs> you sort of have that interaction we described earlier with your neighbor. There, you know, just a quick note. I love how you, like, wait so long for the elevator to come down and open. And then, like, immediately when you walk into the elevator, it cuts to the next scene. Yeah. Which is you exiting the elevator on a different floor. Yeah. Like, that's some <laughs> very, like, Killer 7 shit. Mm. And, like, the way that it, it cuts, like, it's a poorly spliced old tape or something. It's yeah. very, very cool. Um, but, yeah, so you have this interaction with your neighbor that can go a few different ways. It's It's very creepy and off-putting once again. Uh, your neighbor also says that there's people looking for you. Uh, that's, you know, once again, a lot like uh, the kind of just generalized paranoia reminds me of Scanner Darkly. Mm, um, yeah. Sort of like you're never safe, even in your own home kind of thing. Well, so, yeah, you know, she asks for a tape. You can either give it to her or not. You take off and then all of a sudden you're like in a tunnel being interviewed by like a cop mm. asking what's on the tapes and you're like telling him not to watch the tapes. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. But he does anyways. Yeah. Which like is a really cool scene, but you have like no context over until like later, man. I really cannot remember the order of anything in this game. <laughs> I honestly don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I got the steam timeline up, but it's, it's okay. So it's weird. Cause I'm looking at this timeline and this is not the order that things happen in the game. No, not at all. It's actually really bizarre to look at the timeline as it's presented <laughs> here. And I almost feel like I don't even want to look at it cause it's hurting my head. <laughs> Get it. I guess like, okay, let me, let me kind of give my, I guess my, some summation of where the story goes after this is basically that it turns into a weird road story where like a road movie where <laughs> there's two characters who are both driving and they're having parallel experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of them is this smuggler trying to get across the border. This person, like I described earlier is very like paranoid 
um and they're they're just very on edge like when you talk to the convenience store guy that we described earlier you're choosing whether or not you want to lie um everything's very fraught and then there's the bird watcher like the hiker who is kind of just like chilling and those those sequences sometimes like you're uncovering this weird conspiracy about this electrical company and sometimes you're just taking pictures of birds i mean besides all the trespassing seems like a normal person yeah exactly pretty normal (laughs) and those the sequences where you're down where that power plant is are really cool because uh there's the landscape is really cool it's like these woods that have all these smashed up and piled up uh like shipping containers Mm -hmm. uh and then it leads up to the place where this like power station is got some foreboding music going on yeah got some heavy vibes yeah and so these scenes of having conversations are intercut with these long scenes of driving uh that go on for some time (laughs) and you're also getting the little like hints and clues that you know at some point the smuggler has a run-in with the police uh one of the last scenes in the game is kind of that same thing that's like really weird uh and it ends with like a TV displaying the message, uh, be seeing you friendo. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was really cool. Yeah. There's, there's one scene where uh, later on it cuts back to the intro to where, when the assassin kicks the door open to the manager's office. Yeah. You basically have no choice, but to like blow this guy in half with your gun. Yeah. And then, um, the assassin just kind of like, well, in, in this dude's office on his desk, there's like dozens of VHS tapes piled up everywhere. And the assassin's kind of like frantically grabbing all the VHS tapes and putting them in the player mm-hmm. to find the right one. Here's the cool thing here, right? The cool thing that this game does is that it shows you all this stuff out of order, but it's showing you three stories at once. And when you figure that out, the ending tells you the entire story by juxtaposing the end of every story. (laughs) So one of the characters dies in the woods. Yeah. One of the characters through some sort of supernatural occurrence basically escapes being arrested. Uh, One of the characters shoots a guy in the face (laughs) and then realizes (laughs) that she failed her mission because this smuggler, the person who's in possession of the thing she wants got away. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool because you sort of piece those things together by realizing that they're all happening at the same time. Mm. Well, so answer me this because I'm not hundred percent sure at the end of the game, you go into the woods and find the bird watcher's camera where she died Mm -hmm. and then um it cuts to black and you hear a police report like someone calling into the cops yeah explaining what they found and it's like a mangled corpse in the woods Uh so who was that was that the smuggler reporting the bird watcher's death i think so i think Mm -hmm. that's how the smuggler ends up arrested or dealing with the cops oh 
because he doesn't identify himself. But that's like one of the last things in the game. Yeah. So yeah, you see the smuggler arrested earlier. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that was my interpretation of it, and I think it's cool because once again, it's open to interpretation, but there are some concrete things, and there's a world, and there's good world building. But I feel like the specifics don't really matter or they can't be pinned down, right? Mm-hmm. Like saying they don't matter is kind of, I don't know, maybe that's harsh. But it's more like they can't be pinned down so you can make up your own timeline or have your own ideas and they're not wrong or right. Mm. I think it's similar to what we were talking about with devotion um, where something like this where the abstract nature of it is an important part of the composition uh makes it so that you can almost treat it like a book where you're reading it and coming up with your own interpretations of it right which is different than most video games because i think most video games are a little more explicit about the form of the story that's sort of like a thing about video games you know um so I think that's that's what's interesting to me about this game. I think that's also why this Steam timeline chronology thing is, like, hurting me. <laughs> well, so, okay. Here's one thing that this game does better than other walking simulators. Is that because I feel like I, I want to connect the dots. Yeah. It makes me want to play the game again just to understand it a little better. Yeah. You know, who am I playing in this scene? It's not always clear, you know? Like, when w- did this happen before or after the other thing, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. There's a little replayability there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think... So, that that essay that the creator wrote, I don't agree that they've fixed walking simulators, and I think that's kind of an egregious statement, even in and of itself. Look, uh, you can't be a writer in 2018 2019 when you wrote that without making sensationalist clickbait horseshit the the title is called how i attempted to redefine the walking sim right like big words yeah and i don't yeah <laughs> it's like all right buddy maybe chill out maybe you know maybe just chill out a little <laughs> bit on that but i do agree that it is a pretty radical reinterpretation of the genre and it's really cool. It's successful at radically reinterpreting it. And it's definitely something I haven't played before, you know? Sure. And I think it is I think it is a really cool game. It's just like it's kinda like Doki Doki Literature Club, where it's like there's long segments where nothing happens and you gotta you gotta know that's there, I think. Otherwise you might just turn it off yeah. before it's done. Literature Club has that whole free thing though. Like, you're not going to feel ripped off by Literature Club. I feel like some people will play this and be like, fuck this, I want my tree fitty back. Oh, uh, 350, come on, deal with it. <laughs> Once right? again, like, what even costs that much now, right? Like, if you live in an urban area, like, you spend 350 getting out of fucking bed, man. <laughs> Life's expensive, you know? I see your point. Yeah, I don't know, man. No, I I think it's really cool, though. Like I said, it's a recommendation. I think there are things about it that are frustrating, things about it that they're not totally successful at, but it's very cool, and it is very unique. I think it's why 
reading that essay didn't like put me off of it because I was like, he did make something really <laughs> unique. Like, so well, I'll give him yeah. that. And it's not a hundred hour game. Like you're yeah. not going to lose your fucking, I don't know. It's not a hundred hour game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I like, I like stuff like this. And like I've said before, I want more stuff like this. I like having to sit down and play it through in one sitting, but like knowing where it's going and when it's going to be done, you know? One thing I will say is that it, um, personally it's kind of inspiring because it's a, one, it's a unity game. Um, and at the end of the uh, credits, it shows a bunch of uh, unity asset store plugins they used. Oh, nice. And I, I looked them all up and some of them are free. So I'm going to use some of them. Nice. Like the whole dialogue tree thing is like a free plugin. Oh, sick. Yeah. Oh yeah. I will say that I feel in terms of the specific visual style that it's attempting, like the sort of PS one ish, you know, low quality 3d look it's, really well done and it's done way better than anything else i've played in this style so here's the thing about that that's also a plug-in it's yeah a 20 dollars playstation plug-in yeah it doesn't feel like it though like remember we talked about with glass staircase how it just felt like a shitty filter this one didn't feel that way <laughs> like yeah and i'm not like docking points because it is a plug-in because i mean like i've quickly learned you know, in game development that it's many, many jobs, right? Even just writing scripts um, and like going from writing scripts to like building a 3d model for something. There's like so many jobs involved in making a simple game. Yeah. That I think, you know, the unity asset store and all these like pre-made free plugins are just wonderful things, you know? I mean, why build your own fucking synthesizer when you can go buy a synthesizer, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, in audio, there's so many pre-made tools that you have to use, and there's plugins that it's like, yeah, I can't finish a record without that plugin. It is what it is, but it's about how you use it. Sure, absolutely. So, I don't know, but I just think the deployment of it in this game is fantastic. The game's look and style is really, really great, and once again considering that it's kind of a burgeoning scene of games that are going for that look i think this one is a cut above what i've played mm. so far way better than fucking glass staircase you know oh totally i love how the uh characters look like the gas station attendant is really low poly models but then they just like paste a low resolution photo of someone's face onto the head and it's kind of just like creepy but like charming at the same time yeah totally <laughs> i think it's great yeah i really really like it they're sort of like golden eye characters but even weirder looking <laughs> everyone's like bald and has yeah. a pointy face i love it yeah play this game it's cool you know have a fucking art experience yeah totally maybe don't read that essay i'm not gonna link it i didn't like it very much <laughs> <laughs> it just comes off kind of strong yeah. Well, I think that dude's like a critic and he likes to think about video games a lot. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I get that. But it's some people that can actually be a bit off-putting when it's linked really heavily to their work. Like, uh, sure. Um, like that band Liturgy. Oh, the you talk about the Black Metal Manifesto. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> like I like that band. I think that yeah. band is. Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I think it's good music. But like, don't ever read anything that guy has ever written. It'll put you off it immediately. It's such like academic, like overly uh, loquacious horseshit. You know. Well, he's he's Ivy League, dude. He's just fucking wanking for the sake of wanking. <laughs> I know, but it's like, oh, this music's actually pretty good. Or that one yeah. record is very good, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I Aesthetica? think... Aesthetica? Yeah, yeah. Very Highly recommended. Record. Yeah. But it's it's just like, I think some people have that impulse and I don't think it really adds. You know, sometimes supplemental materials can really add, but I think when it's in the form of an essay, I'm going to say personally almost never good yeah and i mean if you do something groundbreaking let other people say that like don't say i read to find the walking simulator yeah. like let somebody else say that for you okay come on damn that's a box quote that shouldn't be a fucking quote from the guy that made it yeah well there's a long tradition of like old jazz records having essays on the back or in the liners uh and i love that and i've actually for a long time been trying to convince bands i know to do that but just i was just like just let me write the essay because it was never written by the band Mm. or by the composer it was like they got someone anyone else to just write an essay about this jazz record and they slapped on the back and there's some cool writing in there you know totally but yeah don't write your own that's like trying to give yourself your own nickname you're not gonna sell your manifestos at the merch table anytime soon no no (laughs) no i mean i did write an actual like uh long short story that's gonna go with our next record but once again nice. it's not a manifesto on why we're the most groundbreaking sludge gaze band ever just reading that manifesto it was like how i made the smartest band ever by slowing down and speeding up during the song yeah <laughs> i went to four years of performing arts high school and then four years of music school so that i could tell you that metal is better when sometimes it is slower and sometimes it is faster money please yes yeah video games video games <laughs> i bet he doesn't play video games Dude, I bet he plays hella video games. He seems like a big ol' fucking nerd, dude. You think he plays, like, hockey video games? <laughs> no, I bet he plays, uh, like, Dwarf Fortress. Oh, shit. He's got a WoW clan with Corpse Grinder from Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> He's got a WoW clan with a guy who's catfishing him as uh, the guy from Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> no lie, I don't know shit about World of Warcraft. But dude from Cannibal Corpse, like, straight up has a fucking Warcraft clan. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) I mean, that's fun for him, I guess. Yeah, dude. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Alright, so we played another game. Claire. Claire. It's Lone Survivor 2. 
<laughs> well, it's more like Lone Survivor Zero. <laughs> well, so it's like, you know, if 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 Lone Survivor is Zombies Ate My Neighbors, Claire is Ghoul Patrol. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're just jumping right into it, right? Okay. Well, so the premise of Claire is that it's basically the same premise as Lone Survivor. It has a lot in common with it, right? So it's a side-scrolling 2D survival horror game that has survival slash life sim elements to it. And it's very, very heavily influenced by Silent Hill to the degree of lifting audio and visual cues from Silent Hill. We're talking spooky hospitals. Mm -hmm. We're talking spooky schools. Mm -hmm. We're talking spooky apartment buildings. We're talking menus with the same visuals and sound effects as Silent Hill, sigils on the walls. Annotated maps. Got it all. Yes. And so on that level, it sounds like the same as Lone Survivor. However, when you get into the nitty gritty of it, there are a lot of differences. Um, first and foremost, there's no combat in Claire. So well, there's running and there's other things combating you. Yeah. You can't combat back. Right. So you have to run and hide. Now, these were things that you could do in Lone Survivor, but you didn't have to. Uh, But in this game, it's not an option. You have to run or hide. (laughs) It sucks so bad. Yeah. And the enemies are a lot more aggressive. They follow you through rooms. They chase you longer. They attack the shit out of you. Uh, You don't have a lot of health. So, okay. The the problem with the enemies in this game and like them hurting you one you don't get any visual feedback of you getting hurt two there's no impact to it i don't know it just feels like you're running through them but you might be getting hurt and then just all of a sudden you're dead yeah well big one too did you notice that you can die while you have your menus open yes yep (laughs) the game doesn't pause when you have your fucking map out yeah, so you're basically only safe in the save slash safe rooms. And the bad guys will keep chasing you as long as you're... Uh, they'll stop chasing you when you're two rooms away. Yes. So if you're only one room away, they'll bust into that room. Yeah. So you have to get two rooms away f- before you're safe. Right. So an- now another thing that is similar to and different from Lone Survivor is that there, like I said, there's like a life sims survival component in Lone Survivor. It was pretty complex. Like you had to eat and you had to sleep and you had to manage what pills you were taking in this game. It's very simple. You just have a mental state. uh, That's more or less a meter, but it's represented in your menu as like a brain with a word in front of it. And then you have like, just like your health, I think there's like five or so degrees. You can look it up. Um, but Yeah, your mental state is just your spicy health. Yeah. This game. But so you basically have two health bars, but and they're yeah. affected differently by different items. And also certain enemies like won't affect your health, but will affect your mental state. Mm-hmm. So I thought that it being simpler would make it easier to manage or more approachable than Lone Survivor, but that's not the case. Like, no, the fact that it's another health bar actually just made it kind of frustrating because you had to keep twice as many items and you have a limited inventory. Go fucking figure. 
Well, I only died from losing my mind once, but I, but I died from being stabbed to death like a thousand times. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. So the other now the other big thing. This is actually kind of funny. So when we played Lone Survivor, you can hear me say this in that episode. I was like, I remember <laughs> having trouble with the traversal because it's like a map that looks like it would for a 3D game, but it's a 2D game. In Lone Survivor, though, I didn't actually have a problem with it. It was laid out in a way that it made sense. It was just a slightly different layout. So it was almost like a Castlevania map where it's an actual 2D side-scrolling map. Yeah. Like, yeah. just the way the rooms are laid on thing. But I remembered, I was like, man, I remember playing this game and having a bunch of problems with it. That was wrong. I was thinking of this game. Really? <laughs> I tried playing this game years ago when it came out and I was like, I don't fucking get this map. Fast forward to today and guess what, James? I don't get this fucking map. No, it's absolutely impossible. Yeah. One, it's just kind of buggy and janky. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like you, you, every time you walk into a new room, first thing you do is you open the map. And then you take a few steps and you open the map again yeah. to see where the fuck you are. Yeah. It's so confusing. And like, I can't figure out how Lone Survivor did its own right and this game did it so wrong. Okay. The, the difference is orientation. So in Lone Survivor, if you were moving left to right in a room, you were moving left to right in the map. If you were going backwards, like a door that was on the back of a room you were going up and if you're going on a door forwards on a room you're going down south north south. okay yeah yeah so there is a tiny bit of like spatial reasoning that you have to use but it's uh-huh. very small anyone can do it and once you get the hang of it which you will after 10 minutes of playing the game it's mm-hmm. easy that's like I, why i said it feels like a castlevania map like a 2d map even though it's not your brain right. fills in the blanks In this game, it's pure nonsense. Like, you'll go to the right (laughs) in a room, out the door, and then you'll be on the right side of the next room instead of the left. And suddenly you're flipped, but you're not flipped on the map. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, the hallways aren't linear. And it's not something that you get used to. No. You never get used to it. You never get used to it. The entire game. Yeah. It's so fucking brutal it actually (laughs) dude it kind of reminded me of blasphemous in the sense of like Mm. there were things about the game i liked but just walking around and exploring was so difficult that yeah i was like i don't want to do this i mean yeah there's a lot going for it there's a dog you can pet the dog yeah like that's all you need for a good game but like yeah i don't know it's it's just so impossible to know where the fuck you're going at all times. Like it, it just ruins it. Like having to constantly open the map is just like such a deal breaker. And the map being so janky too, like just like Silent Hill, like your character annotates the map, but on certain sections of the map, the annotations are in the wrong spots. Yeah. Like it's that janky. Yeah. Well, and just to talk about some things that are cool or different, like it's got a cool visual style. It's like a really detailed 16-bit visual style. So it's not Mm. the kind of like blurry darkness of Lone Survivor. Um, It 
has really cool design. Like a lot of the really nightmarish Silent Hill stuff in the game looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also has a really cool dreamlike progression where rooms will glitch out and change or you'll fall asleep in one place and wake up in another. Like mm-hmm. it nails all of that stuff from a Silent Hill game. And that's why I found it so intriguing and like why I kept wanting to go back and beat it. And also why I wanted to play it for the show, but everything you do in between is really, really frustrating. Yeah. There's some puzzles that are like just okay and passable. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the areas are just like really gorgeous looking like it just, just like mundane things too, like the cafeteria in the hospital and things like that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, but there's too many doors everywhere. This, um, it, it makes the stage design feel crowded and, um, if if there was no map, I would just be completely lost. Yeah. Um, just visually, um, the game doesn't give you like any information on where the hell you're supposed to be going. Like you rely on the map so badly. I mean, even you could play a game like Silent Hill and not have to deal with the map. The map's just handy. Yeah. Um, this game is it's like a crutch. Yeah. Totally. Um, there there's a lot of jankiness with like like the menus. Like, so say you're playing the game and you stop in front of an interactable object and then you open the map and then you press the X button while the menu is open, you'll interact with that object in the game Uh, because, because when you open the map, it doesn't freeze the game. Yeah. Um, You'll even walk through doors on accident with your map open. Yeah. If you stop in front of a door. Yeah, it's super jank. You can also like <laughs> accidentally use story items. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I did that once and had to reload a save. Um, I don't know if it's like actually like necessary because there's basically like ghosts you can help, and mm, that's yeah. where you get the story items. But you can also accidentally use them, and they don't do anything. They just it just deletes them from your inventory. Wait, did you eat the fat kids chips? <laughs> uh, no, I think it was like the very first one. Like, I think you uh, give the girl some candy or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that kid. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's just like, it's, it's really janky. And yeah, it's really just the exploration being so frustrating. There's so many doors. It's so labyrinthine, but you can't, get your head around it around it. Like I literally just ended up walking in circles or looking up video walkthroughs and just doing what was in there. Like note for note. It, it really sucked the fun out of the game completely. Yeah. I I don't like playing games like that. So that's like super annoying to me. No, that's like, yeah, it's like a deal breaker for me, but I I just didn't know how else I was going to beat it without playing it for like 10 hours. Now, some people do love this game. Um, it seems to have like a big following on PlayStation. I guess the um, it w- came out on PlayStation Network for free or something, so a bunch okay. of people played it. Um, I think the PlayStation version is like a special edition. Uh, okay. I don't know if it like took some of the jank out. I mean, we're playing it on PC. I got it on Steam, so yeah, same. Who knows? Yeah. Well, okay. Let me posit this. Because this is sort of my theory on the game. And also why I've I've been honestly racking my brain 
all day kind of thinking about how I want to talk about it because I don't just want to shit on it. <laughs> Even though it frustrated the hell out of me. I never was like mad at it. Like it was just frustrating and there's things about it I really liked and it's still even having played it like an enticing game like the visual style and the the story beats and certain things in it I'm still like oh like it's cool right and here's why here's my here's my theory right you ready this is a this is a pro gamer theory coming at you hot <laughs> right here uh it's a creepy pasta and I mean that as a both a compliment and an insult like it's basically a creepy internet mystery like the way the game is structured and the way the game is written is such that it's like this mysterious story that you don't understand what's going on you're drip fed little clues you're meant to wander around in the dark both literally and figuratively you're shown Mm. cool images but you're also like frustrated beyond all reason and then in the end it's all wrapped up tight kind of tightly and kind of not with this weird ending that doesn't really make sense but it's like it's sort of like got the flair of them like throwing the sand on the fire at the end of are you afraid of the dark like (laughs) it's very stylish and ridiculous but at the same time it's sort of meaningless it's a creepypasta yeah i don't know I think you're giving it a little too much credit. It's it's cop-out pasta. In terms of story beats, it's a Silent Hill 2 clone. I mean, Silent Hill 2 does the same thing. It gives you, like, mysterious little drip feeds, right? Right. And then it ends up being, like, a redemption story or something, like a failed redemption story. Right. Um, I just feel like all the story beats were just cop from Silent Hill 2. But I think it's similar to the game's visual style and just general sense of style that it's made to be younger, more modern, more like internet. Hmm. I mean, that's why. So, like, the thing about creepypastas, like, I love creepypastas. I've said this before. I haven't really talked about it a lot in here, but dude, I love creepypastas. I love the No Sleep subreddit. But I love it because it's kind of like trash. It's kind of just like junk food for your brain, you know? And the way that it works is people are writing these things that are frequently not very well written or they're written in a really hacky, simplistic way, but they're full of imagery that you know from around the internet and that is kind of intriguing. And they're presented in a way that sort of speaks to you in in a way that something that was better produced wouldn't because there's like Hmm. too much of a filter there and Hmm. that's kind of how this game functions like the story is simplistic and the writing is exactly what it is but it's sort of also dealing with like suicide and teen angst and dark childhoods and it's told by this like kind of edgy 90s girl like claire is totally an edgy 90s girl right she's heather from silent hill 3 yeah come on she's desaturated (laughs) heather (laughs) Yeah, and so it's kind of like I get the appeal there and I get Mm -hmm. like what they're doing it's just it's just that though like it's going to appeal to you if you like that kind of stuff and that's that's exactly what I'd say about the whole game like if the whole vibe and aesthetic appeals to you and especially if you really loved Lone Survivor like there's something in this game that you are probably going to like yeah, I mean, if Lone Survivor was your, like, game of the year, I mean, 
you'd probably be like shortchanging yourself if you didn't play this. But I think for everyone else, like there's so many more Silent Hill clones for you to enjoy before you get to this one. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. I think ultimately for me, the game was too frustrating for it to really be a recommendation. But I get it. Yeah, the save rooms are so few and far between, especially early on that like when you die, like it was soul crushing. I had to put the game away for a week because I died and I got so pissed off at it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I had gotten really far and I just like missed the save room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, either the pace picks up later or I picked up the pace on the game and just started like stop being super exploratory and just like running towards the goal, you know? I started enjoying yeah. the game more when I started doing that, which doesn't feel very Silent Hill to me. No, it's not. And the other thing is that I wish the game was a little less uh, mysterious about telling you where to go and what to do. Uh, this game is very mysterious. It doesn't tell you a lot of things. And you sort of have to come to your own realizations about certain things. Uh, number one is that a lot of the stuff that you can get lost looking for or doing is all side content and you don't have to do it. Yeah. And a lot of the things that you have to do to advance the plot are actually really, really dummy simple. And if you just (laughs) run towards those things, like you can get through the game really fast. Yeah. I mean, there was only one real hard puzzle. Like there's one where, uh, you got to flip some portraits yeah. and you don't know which portraits to flip. I mean, that's the only place I kind of got like stuck for five minutes on. Right. But I think a lot of the stuff that you can get lost wandering around looking for, it's all side content and you don't have to do it. I guess there's like a good plus ending or something, Mm -hmm. but it's all kind of a bad ending. So (laughs) I guess like the story is essentially you're playing as his character, Claire, who seems to be stuck in this strange shape-shifting hell world, you know, cough, cough, silent hill. And yep. however, the big difference is that uh, time also changes. So she sometimes like travels back in time and is a younger version of herself. Uh, sometimes these parts are playable. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes she changes in these scenes from a younger version to an older version of herself yeah, it's, like every once in a while you walk through a door and it'll change eras and you're yeah. like little Claire in her house. Yeah. yeah. It's a cool device um, and it's pretty well done and some of the ways things are linked are really cool. Once again, it kind of reminded me of Paratopic because it would suggest something or tell you something um, through juxtaposition. So going from one place to another, you would kind of get the sense of like, oh, these things are linked or, oh, this is a clue as to what's going Mm on. Um, And yeah, you're drip fed little bits of info. Like initially, you know that she's in the hospital with her mom and that's all you know. And then you kind of find out that her mom is like, uh, she seems to be like in a, like a vegetative state. Right. Um, yeah. She's like non-responsive. She doesn't really move or, or speak or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's like the caretaker for her mom. And it's like pretty much her whole life. Like she goes to school, but she spends all her time with her mom and her mom's in a hospital. And like 
so you're kind of getting this sad story about that and it's it's pretty interesting i think it's just as it goes on there's keep adding more wrinkles and a lot of them either aren't very interesting or they're kind of shoehorned in mm. uh it's a cool scene where you're just like walking through a carnival yeah it's kind of cool like her dad like leaves her hanging all the time yeah so like there's scenes of her like looking for her dad things like that kinda yeah interesting but no yeah. i think like well stuff like that is cool but then not long after that you have like a full conversation with your dad and he like mm-hmm. really lays out all the themes of her relationship with her dad yep. <laughs> and it's kind of like wow guys laying it on a little bit thick here like <laughs> It's it's very obvious, like, I'm sorry I left you kind of stuff. But then it goes back to mm-hmm. them playing the pronoun game and being very mysterious, you know? Like, I don't know. It's it's okay. Uh, I think towards the end, there's kind of some stuff implied about her family and what happened. You don't get a clear picture, so some of it's still left up to the player, which is cool, once again. Um, there's a really confusing scene that maybe implies the whole thing is sort of her being stuck in a kind of purgatory or in between state um, after, you know, maybe dying, but it's all very unclear, uh, you know, but it's, it's like you said, it's very silent Hill two, silent Hill four kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to blow your mind which is maybe a little bit of a letdown because the early game is very intriguing. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get into like any twin peaks, the return tier fan theory arguments on Reddit about it or anything. No, I mean, if you, so I found it's kind of hard to find stuff about this game, but I found a pretty good steam thread where they were picking apart plot points and talking theories. And it literally seems to mostly boil down to like is she dead or is she alive and like wait is this what her mom did or is this what her mom did and mm-hmm. you know it's like two very slightly different shades of the same color <laughs> <laughs> and i mean with with games like this i find it difficult to carry about the minutia because it's like bookended on each sides with pretty like bad gameplay yeah so i mean yeah yeah i mean if the traversal had been more streamlined i do think that it would have been or if the exploration had even been fun i mean it would have been a much easier to appreciate story it sounds weird to say it but it 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 feels like the environments could have been like half the size and that would have made it better yeah like you said too many doors every area was just overwhelming every new area you're just like ugh, this again like yeah so many doors but yeah like i said dude it's just like a creepypasta like you start a series like a 12 part creepypasta series and you're like "Ooh, it's gonna be good and you get into it and it's like oh, it's okay and at the end you're like really that's it oh, okay all right <laughs> on to the next one like once it, yeah it's like i get the appeal of this game it's obviously really aimed at people who love silent hill and especially love like silent hill type 2d games i mean there's not a lot of them so you're probably going to play this one uh it's got that mysterious story that you can think about maybe some of the stuff about parents and bad parenting will hit you in the feels like <laughs> i get the appeal i was just very frustrated and i probably wouldn't recommend it 
Yeah, I wonder if it started as like a Lone Survivor fan project or something like somebody just wanted to emulate Lone Survivor because it's just so similar uh, in so many ways. Yeah, it really does feel like that crappy sequel or something, you know? Yeah, it's it's I and I remember when it came out, it looked that way, which is kind of why I was interested in it. Because I was like, man, Lone Survivor was so fucking good, dude. Yeah. But it has enough differentiating it. In, in a weird way, it feels almost more like video gamey. Hmm. Like Lone Survivor, despite having combat, felt less traditional. Like it, it felt it was just a different experience, you know. It was also more good. Yes, it was a lot more good. <laughs> yes, I do agree. Uh, Claire, one star. <laughs> oh, we're back. I thought you had given it. that up. No, I'm back. Out of five, I feel like one's kind of harsh. That's 20%. That's that's pretty harsh. What was Alan below Wake? Average. <laughs> Alan Wake. I give Alan Wake one and a half. Oh, so you think Alan Wake is better than this game? I would rather play Alan Wake than this. Yeah. Wow. Okay. See, I would. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather not play either. How about that? Yeah, acceptable. Well, yeah, I think that's gonna do it for the the indie horror rodeo. Yeah, Paratopic, play it. Yeah, definitely. If there's one thing to take from this episode, go give paratopic your 45 minutes if you want some weird ass art shit if you want to be confused and just have a good time yeah game club game club uh yeah what are we on to now we we picked a couple we need to do some ps1 bangers yeah dude we're going um, back in time echo night yes. from software yes playstation one yep dust off that triangle button <laughs> I actually need to buy a new PS2 controller because mine is so worn in. Oh no! It's it's dark. <laughs> Get a Mad Cats with the turbo buttons. <laughs> no, we got a game store here. I can go get a Sony one. Hell yeah! Um, yeah, and then what's after that? PS1, Clock Tower. Ooh, yeah. Speaking of frustration. <laughs> dust off your polygons <laughs> yeah we'll see i remember that game being really frustrating but it's, it's also really short so if you hate it you won't hate it for long i don't think i'll hate it but i'll also be playing it with save states for the first time so we'll see how that goes <laughs> <laughs> namaste <laughs> nama save state